This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Amen, amen. Hey, come on, give it up for the Lord. Awesome. Hey, welcome, everybody. As those buckets go around, if you're a first-time guest, welcome. We're so glad you're here tonight on Valentine's Day to hang out with us. I want to just remind us of something of what's really happening here on Friday nights and encourage you to to share the news, share the love about what's going on here, invite a friend, come bring him with you. Um, I think there's a, there's a generation that's hungry to know about God for real, to come and experience him in a tangible, practical, real way, you know, in a moment like we just had in worship, and then be able to have the, the, the scriptures opened up where it just pops off of the page and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm beginning to see, I'm beginning to get it. I want to remind you back when Jesus was on the earth, when he came to the earth, it says that those who were living in the, the, the land of Israel at the time, the chosen people, the ones who were supposed to be um, the light of the world to the rest of the nations, it says that they were actually under a shadow of darkness, under a shadow of death. And this light from heaven, we know who the light was, his name was Jesus, he, he broke into the darkness. It was like a, a, a reenactment, really, of what we see in the, in the, in the imagery in Genesis, when, when darkness was covering the face of the deep, and the Father spoke the Son into the darkness. Do you remember that? And the Son comes to help us to see, you know, literally, like see. What does he ultimately want us to see? It's the Father. His whole mission in life was to show people the Father. Do you remember even his own disciples? They were hungry for this. There's a generation that's crying out, show us the Father. We want to know the Father. We want to understand who the Father is, who is the creator of all things. And Jesus was able to say, when you've seen me, you've what? Seen the Father. It's amazing. But it didn't stop there with Jesus. He wants us to be able to see the Father so that we can take him in, right, to the essence of who we are by understanding his character, his nature, you know, the way that he operates, the culture in which he exists, so that people can see the Father through our lives. It's the love of the Father invading a generation. And so, you know, when we're here on Friday nights, we're going to just take a little time and talk about God. And so we have a very special friend tonight that's actually going to get a share Um, I want to introduce him to you. We don't normally do this introduction, but it was fitting tonight to do this with Mark. Mark actually moved down here with us um, 17 plus years ago to start the harbor. He was here in the foundational years as a, a primary leader of this house, one that was helping to equip through the teaching of the word. He carries a really beautiful grace on his life as he opens up the word of God. And even, even more so, I love just being around Mark because it just comes out of him in those times. How I many of you know it's awesome to hear people that are gifted communicators, but then it's great to even get around them and the communication of the Lord just comes out of them in those relational moments. That's Mark Witten. And so there was a season when he was over in the mission field and he moved back to Nashville uh, met his beautiful wife, Julie, who's here tonight, and, and, and they actually, it's just crazy, came back here again 
um, recently in the last year, and I just believe it's so Jesus and so fitting tonight that he gets to minister to us on Valentine's Day. He carries the love of God in his heart big time. I don't think I've ever seen anybody as sensitive to the heart of the Father as Mark, you know. Just when God's Spirit comes in, he just feels it, senses it, and just even moves. I've, I've seen him cry more than, than anybody else that I've known. That's a great, beautiful thing. But can we give a huge just harbor welcome tonight to Mark as he comes up? I love you, man. Wow. This is an honor. It's been 15 years since I preached at the Harbor Church. So I'm honored. I'm honored for your, to be in your presence tonight. I really appreciate it, Darren. Thank you. Uh, before I jump into the meat of the word, I just, like uh, Juan was saying, I just feel like in my heart there's some people that are walking through a wilderness season, through a desert season. And I just want to bring some encouragement to you. How many of you know that God lures us sometimes into the wilderness? In fact, in Hosea 2.12, it says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her into the wilderness. And at first, it can even feel a little bit exciting, you know, when God's saying, Hey, I'm about to take you deeper. But then you're in it. <laughs> and then we start thinking like, Jeremiah, you deceived me, Lord. And you end up in a fetal position on your couch sometimes. But I'm here to tell you tonight that, you know, whatever your relationship is with the wilderness, whether you're in the midst of the wilderness, whether you're sensing that God's about to take you deeper into, a, into that place, or whether you're just coming out of it. I just I want to encourage you to guard your heart against offense. You know, John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, he saw the dove, he heard the voice. And he's sitting in a prison cell, not far off from getting his head lopped off. And he sends his disciples to Jesus, you know the story. Are you the one or should we expect someone else? And you know, Jesus said, you know, the, uh, the dead are raised and the blind can see. But, but then he ends it in Matthew eleven six, 6. And he says, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. I think it was Mike Bickle who said, Jesus often offends the mind to reveal the heart. And I want to encourage you tonight, no matter your suffering or the pain, to guard your heart from that and to keep going. Amen? Because Psalm 25, I love this verse. I keep coming back to it. Psalm 25 says, all his pathways are mercy and truth. All of them. Amen? Wow. Put Hosea, can you put Hosea 2.12? Do you have that up there? Through 14? I love this verse. Is it up there yet? No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. You guys okay tonight? 
I know you're a little sleepy. It's been a long week, but guess what? Our covenant is not with the sun and the moon. Amen? The moon and the sun do not govern us. The light of the Lamb governs us. So Hosea 2, 12 through 14, it says that I will allure her into the wilderness. I like the King, New King James Version, so I'm going to read that real quick if you'll just bear with me. This was my passage for years. <laughs> In the wilderness, it says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her. I will bring her into the wilderness, and there, from that place, I will speak comfort to her. So check out what happens in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, I will give her her vineyards. That's her fruitfulness. That's her ministry. In the wilderness. And the valley of Achor, or the valley of tears, will turn into a valley of hope. The door of hope. Amen? So if you're in that wilderness place, be encouraged because that's the place where he gives you your story. That's the place where he gives you your song. Amen? It says, she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband and no longer my bail, or my master. So I just want to encourage you to keep going, keep leaning, because in Song of Songs 8, it says, you know, that the, that the winter is over, that the springtime's coming. And who is this coming up out of the wilderness, leaning on her lover? Amen? And so there is a beauty in the pain, like Juan said. There's a beauty in the wilderness. Keep going, because your patience is producing a harvest of righteousness for your future. It's part of your story. You know, when I was a young man, I, I used to pray, God, make me the most humble man on the earth. <laughs> Teach me patience. Help me to learn long-suffering. I don't pray those prayers anymore. <laughs> I've come to discover that after walking with the Lord for a few decades, that long-suffering is cultivated when you suffer for a long time. So no matter where you are in your wilderness, wilderness journey, know that there is an end. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. There is an end to your wilderness journey, and your wilderness is not your identity. And it's not your destiny. It's preparation. Selah. So happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> I'm so grateful that my wife was okay with us spending Valentine's Day together here at church. I woke up and there was a card next to my nightstand this morning. I was like, oh. Thankfully, I was able to rescue that. But anyway, I really appreciate that there's such a culture of honor here. And this is a real special moment for me. Um, I'm so honored that Darren invited me to bring this message to this house, uh, especially here on Valentine's Day. Uh, 
My wife can attest to you that I'm not a big fan of commercialized holidays. But there is something that we need to take note of, and it'll kind of segue into the meat of the message. Did you know that Valentine's Day was actually named after St. Valentine, who lived in the 3rd century? He was actually a priest under the rule of Claudius II, who was a terrible, vicious uh, emperor. And he made this law, because they were, I believe they were fighting the barbarians, but he made this law that forbade uh, young men to marry. Because he thought that they would make better soldiers when they weren't married. And so, St. Valentine defied the creed of the emperor and continued to marry these young people. And eventually he was actually arrested and put in prison. And he was awaiting execution. And he made friends with the jailer of the, of, well, of the jailer and his family. And the jailer had a daughter named Julia. And Julia was blind. And they developed a relationship over their time. And, and St. Valentine actually laid hands on the daughter and healed her of her blindness. Yeah. And because of that, the jailer and his entire household came to the Lord. And so we honor St. Valentine today for his testimony and for his courage. And the cool thing is, is that, and this, this, could, this is legend, but you know, sometimes legends are built on truth. That on the night of his execution, he left the daughter Julia a letter and signed it, Your Valentine. So that's just a little kiss from God for you. Honor is so important in the kingdom of God because it keeps us connected to those who have gone before us. Amen? How many of you know that the church is not just on earth? In fact, we have a very large team, the majority of whom are not here with us bodily. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And so it's important when we get those opportunities to honor those that have blazed the trail and and paved the way. I love the culture of honor in this house. It just oozes out of everyone, its leaders, its partners, to its guests, to those outside doing the work of the ministry, but especially to the Godhead. And I'm honored to speak to you tonight about the Father. Uh, So let's just pray real quick. Father, grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you better. And release the spirit of Elijah to turn our hearts to you. And let your word run swiftly into our hearts. Amen. Have you ever been wounded by love? Ever love someone so much that it hurt? Before the worlds were formed, the Father was wounded by love. You see, He peered into the distant future and He saw our betrayal. But He didn't get bitter. (laughs) He started making plans to get it back to good. Even before things went bad. You see, the father was so wounded by love that he sentenced his only begotten child to death before the foundations of the world. 
And the Bible says, and I don't get it, in Isaiah 53, that it pleased the Father to crush him and cause him to suffer. Why? What is that? For us. We may not see it, but in his eyes, we are a very good ROI. Return on investment. He invests his son and gets back all those who would believe in return. <laughs> Plus his son with interest in his glory. Amen? And although he is completely and utterly satisfied and fulfilled and sufficient in and of himself within the essence of the Trinity, he completely and utterly desires to be with us. To be freely loved by a people who are not forced or bargained with to love him. It's his chief desire. And so when Darren asked me to speak about the Father, I was super excited because honestly, the Father is my favorite person of the Trinity. Don't tell me you don't have a go-to. But when I say favorite, it doesn't diminish the love that I have for Jesus or the Holy Spirit. It actually enhances it because they're always pointing toward the other. <laughs> So, when Darren asked me to speak about the Father, I went into prayer. I went into the mountain where I usually go to meet the Father. How many of you know that there's a mountain we can go into to meet the Father? Jesus said in Luke 6, 12 and John 6, 3, Mark 9, 2, that it says that Jesus went into the mountain to seek the Father. Hebrews 12.22 says, We have come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. And in Isaiah 2.2 it says, Now it, it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and so forth. And many shall come to it. And they shall say, Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. So there's a mountain that we can go in to meet with the Father. You know, when we sold our house, we were trying to figure out where we were going to land. I wanted to go to the mountains. Julie wanted to go to the beach. She won. But I got to wear my boots tonight, so I won on that one. <laughs> but it was down here that the Lord showed me how to access the mountain of the Lord. And... Even though the only high place within a hundred miles from here, or a thousand miles from here, is the trash heap over on Sample. But I'll trade that for the mountain of the Lord any day. Amen. And so, as I was in the mountain, as I was fellowshipping with the Father, I asked, I asked him, "What do you want me to communicate to these people?" And I began to hear the word approachable over 
and over and over. Approachable. And I knew in my spirit that he wanted his children to be reminded that he was approachable. You see, there's a great misinterpretation of the Father's plan that causes us to draw back from him instead of press into him. When life is a wilderness, a lot of times we retreat from the Father because his thoughts and ways often offend our natural minds. And we, we in turn misinterpret these events and seasons as punishment, as cruelty, as absence, aloofness. Because we often examine our lives through the matrix of our experience with our own earthly fathers. It's why a lot of Christians pray to Jesus instead of the Father. We opt for the friendlier version of the Godhead. And let me clarify that it's, it's not only inevitable, but right that we do pray to all members of the Trinity. However, the normal biblical pattern is to talk to the Father in the name of Jesus. When the disciples asked Jesus, show us how to pray, what did he say? Our Father, who art in heaven. I love the part in C.S. Lewis, you know, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Great movie, great book. I love the part when Mr. Beaver tells Susan that Aslan is a great lion. And Susan is surprised since she assumed that Aslan was a man. And she, she then tells Mr. Beaver, I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. She then asks Mr. Beaver, is Aslan safe? To which Mr. Beaver replies, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's good. When we're in the wilderness, it doesn't always seem safe. We, we live in that paradigm of the already and the not yet. We live in, in the paradigm where, where the body can be killed, yet not one hair on our head will be touched. And it's difficult sometimes. It doesn't feel safe. And John the Baptist didn't feel safe when he was in prison about to have his head chopped off. And so he got offended by the leadership of Jesus. But I want to assure you tonight that his leadership can be trusted. It is good because he is good. And it's the wilderness... It's in the wilderness that he builds a history of his faithfulness to us. Because of the obedience of the Son, we are able in him to approach him who dwells in unapproachable light. And we are able to enter into the places we exist spiritually in fellowship with the Father. And sometimes we have to zoom out in order to see the big picture before we can tactically apply something to our personal lives. And so I want to ask you the question, why did God lock the garden after Adam fell? 
Because he knew that if Adam had access to the tree of life, without the payment of sin, he would never again get to walk with Adam in the cool of the evening like he used to. And that's the gospel boiled down to its essence. You see, God could not become less than who he was by yoking with a sinful man. He could not lower his standard of holiness, otherwise he would cease to be God. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? And what fellowship can light have with darkness? So payment had to be made for sin in order for us to be able to enter into God's presence and not be destroyed. And the Father in His tenderness knew that. His distance and separation at that moment in history spared mankind from annihilation. But the fall not only initiated His plan, but was woven into the blueprint that would bring about His supreme desire, which is to walk with His children again in the cool of the evening. And in the Hebrew, that actually means continually accompanying someone in the Spirit throughout the day, a constant companion. So the entire process from the flood to the covenant with Abraham, the law of Moses, the judges, the kings, the prophets, the son, and the church, all leading us back with beautiful and patient precision to the garden where God walks with his children again, partnering with his people to extend his kingdom, to co-create for a better world, and to bring order to the entire cosmos. All his pathways are mercy and truth. Even in the fall, he showed his love by causing all of creation to fall along with mankind. So that nothing would be over his beloved possession. Selah. Romans 8.20 For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but Because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Creation knows its rank. And it also knows who we are better than most of us know who we are. That's why it groans in frustration and expectation. Saying, know who you are. Because God subjected it also because of us. But he's going to deliver it through us. Be who you are so you can liberate us from bondage. You know, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1 talks about the great mystery of the ages. You guys still awake? Okay, come on. 
The mystery of the ages is fourfold. I'm going to give them to you real quick. Number one, it was his immense pleasure to make us legal sons and daughters again. Because Adam threw that away. So he had to bring us back, that adoption. Okay. The law had to be fulfilled, or as C.S. Lewis said, the deep magic had to be satisfied. Blood for treachery. (laughs) But it was his immense pleasure, Ephesians 1 says, to make us legal again. The second thing of the great mystery was to give us his new creation DNA. Did you know that as a born-again believer, you have new DNA? (laughs) He gave us what Adam had in the garden, which was a trans-dimensional reality. Adam was the gateway between heaven and earth. He was the ancient door, the ancient gateway. I'm not going to go into that tonight. That's another teaching. But when we are born again, born of the Spirit, regenerated, we received a trans-dimensional reality in our being. That is why we can exist here on earth and in the heavenly realm, seated in Christ Jesus at the same time. And that's why, that's how we go into the mountain, by the way, too. And number three, to walk in a loving relationship with us. And we've talked about that. The fourth thing Ephesians 1 talks about the great mystery is that he wants us to administer his justice in all the earth and conform everything to his will. So we are the the great... You know, God is looking, Jesus is looking for shoulders to put his head of authority on. You know, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. It wasn't because Jesus was a homeless man. It was because he was looking for a place to put his head of authority on. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son son is given. And upon his what? Shoulders. The government shall rest. That's us. (laughs) We are the administers of justice in this earth. That's why we have to wake up and know who we are. And realize that we exist in both places. For too long, guys, well, let me just say this. It's why we need to start ascending in prayer. And I'm not going to go into that teaching. Maybe, Maybe another time. But we have to ascend in prayer to go get the blueprints for justice so that we can come administrate them in our spheres of influence. Heaven's always looking for a pattern to land on. And and when heaven sees something that looks like itself, it's going to land on it. So we have to go up and get the pattern and bring it down. It's called, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, for too long we've been asking God to intervene in our little worlds to make things more bearable, more survivable, 
more comfortable. And he's saying, come up here. You've got some governing to do. Come into my mountain, discover who you are. Get your scroll of destiny. What your, find out what your role is in the great mystery and create a pattern on earth so that heaven can land on it. You know, if we want revival, if we want transformational change in our culture, we got to create a pattern that heaven recognizes and identifies with. In our personal lives, in our businesses, and in our churches. How can heaven land on a family governed by pornography? How can heaven land on a church governed by Jezebel? I'm not talking about this church. Because <laughs> heaven's landing here if you haven't noticed. <laughs> There's a pattern that heaven likes and he sees. And just last Sunday, I'm telling you, it was the tip of the spear. Get ready. It's coming. We've got to raise up leadership, create a wineskin. We've got the wineskin, but we need more people because it's coming. Get ready. You think you're tired now? Wait till you've been praying for people for four hours. How can God land on a business with dishonest scales? We need to renew our approach. Worship team, you guys can come on up. How am I doing on time? It's a little late. Uh, we need to renew our approach to the Father. And I don't say that to condemn, any guy by, to condemn anybody, okay? You know, if you're struggling, the Father just wants to make things new so that you can create a pattern so that He can land on you and so that you can enjoy walking together in the cool of the evening again. So we need to renew our approach to the Father. We need to draw near to Him because He longs to draw near to us. And He's beckoning us tonight saying, I am approachable. When you hear the words of Jesus saying, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. He's speaking what the Father is speaking. Because Jesus only did and said what the Father was doing and saying. Amen. You know, the reason Jesus was hated so much by the religious leaders of the day is because of his approach to the Father. The fact that he even called Yahweh Father was offensive to them. Because they felt like they were the ones that held the keys and the access to the kingdom of God. But Jesus came to show the world that the Father through him was indeed approachable. That we didn't have to jump through religious hoops to get him or to go through any man other than his own son. And so I want to leave you with a couple of verses. And then we're going to pray and, and maybe have a little time of ministry. 
If you're still not convinced of God's approachability, or, or maybe you have an easier time relating to Jesus than the Father, that's okay. But listen to these words. And there, by the way, there's no competition within the Trinity. <laughs> okay? They're always pointing to one another. It's like, no, you have the glory. You have the no. Isn't my son awesome? And they just love each other. There's so much. There's an incredible divine love exchange within the Trinity. They are so happy. And I love what Mike Bickle used to say. He said, God is mostly glad and really enjoying himself. I mean, can you imagine the love exchange within the Trinity? And the cool thing is is that that Jesus said, and I think it's John 15, he says, I like you (laughs) like God likes God. Sometimes, you know, I'll have to get get on to him. Like, no, or, you know, kind of rebuke him for his safety. And the beautiful thing is, is when he starts to pucker his lip and he starts to cry because I've, I've, I've told him no or I've gotten on to him for something to keep him safe. He doesn't hide his face and run off. He starts puckering that lip and, Tears fill in his eyes. And what does he do? He runs straight to me and buries his head in my lap. If you've messed up, if you've totally blown it, Don't run from him tonight. Run to him. Bury your head in his bosom and let him love on you tonight. Hebrews 1.3 says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And Jesus said, if you'd known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness. So if you need a fresh encounter with the Father tonight, if you need a revelation of his approachability, I I just want to invite you to come down to the front. Uh, We'll have some people here to pray if you want that. If not, if you want to just come and linger. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. 
Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.